Everybody knows the most important thing you should teach your children, but what's the second? Hi, I'm Rob West. Sharing the gospel is the most important thing you can do for your kids, but perhaps the second most is teaching them how to handle money wisely. I'll talk about that with Art Rayner today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, our guest today is Art Rayner. He's the author of several books on personal finance, including a few on teaching kids about money. Now, Art was on with us just a few weeks ago, and there was so much we didn't get to. We needed him to do an encore performance. Art, great to have you back with us. Rob, it is always an honor to be on the show. I love, love what you guys do. Thank you for your ministry. Well, we're grateful for you as well, Art. And uh, earlier, as you know, we talked about your three-volume series, The Secret Slide Money Club, which has very entertaining and educational stories for younger kids, teaching them how to handle money from a biblical perspective. Uh, By the way, we are still offering that to listeners through the end of August for a gift of $25 or more at moneywise.org. We'd love to put it in your hands. But Art, we want to continue that discussion today and perhaps Perhaps starting with this foundational question, just why is it so important to teach kids financial stewardship? Well, if if they're going to take care of us during our retirement years, I mean, they they better be uh, well off and financially healthy, right? That's right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Self-preservation, huh? That's absolutely, yeah, right? (laughs) There there certainly is the practical. Um, We want our kids to be financially healthy. We want our yeah. kids to, to avoid debt. We want them to have their emergency fund, have enough for, for savings. We want them to make good financial decisions because we know the stress that comes along with poor financial decision making. And so we certainly want them to be financially healthy. So there's that practical element to it, but there's also the, the, the spiritual piece to it. Yeah. Uh, money management reflects heart management. And yeah. you all know this well. I mean, in Matthew six twenty one, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? right. Your heart follows your treasure. Yeah. And that's an important teaching. So as we are talking to our kids about finances, we're not just helping them get financially healthy, but though that certainly is part of it, but we're helping them follow God's design for their money and for themselves and helping them prioritize the, the gospel above above all. And so we're really working with their hearts when we're talking about talking about money. Yeah, and this is such a big idea, Art. It's that we want our kids to leave our home as future adults, uh, understanding not only financial literacy, which you talk about, we talk about, balancing checkbooks and the danger of debt and the power of compound interest, but also uh, really God's heart and perspective on money, which is throughout the counsel of Scripture. If we leave that piece out, they're not ready to approach money from that lens, and that changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, w- without without question, if they are not able to understand and look at finances through a biblical worldview, uh, their their finances are going to be impacted for sure. Yeah. Um, but also their their heart is going yeah. to be is going to be impacted, and they're going to fall into these common traps that so many so many uh, experience. So we want them to avoid those those traps. 
Yeah. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of what this looks like today, Art. In just this minute we have before the first break, uh, tell us when this process should begin. How early do you start? Well, I, I don't recommend starting to uh, introduce your two-year-old to the finer points of the, the Roth IRA or the traditional IRA. That's <laughs> oh, not the time. On. Even but the Rainer kids? <laughs> <laughs> I have made many mistakes, so learn from my mistakes. They don't get it at that age. Okay. But here's the thing. Don't underestimate what your kid can learn and retain at a, at a young age. Don't ever underestimate that. So you can start at a very young age, even three, four years old, teaching them these some basic principles about what the Bible says about money. You know, we, we sing to them the ABCs. We, we sing Jesus Loves Me. And through those songs, we're teaching them some very important principles. And you can do the same, not necessarily in song, but you can teach them some basic money principles even when they are incredibly young. Yeah. Tomorrow, Art Rayner's child tells us how to calculate the U.S. gross domestic product. Don't miss it. (laughs) Hey, when we come back, a lot more on this topic. How do you teach your kids about money and God's heart right out of his word? Art Rayner with us today. Stick around. We'll be right back. Delighted to have you with us today on MoneyWise Live. I'm Rob West, your host. Joining us today, uh, author and teacher Art Rayner, also contributor at MoneyWise.org. And today we're talking about money and kids. How do we train our kids so they can leave our homes ready to handle money, not only the financial literacy component of money, but also understanding what God's Word says, that He's the owner, that they're a steward, that money is a tool, and really understanding, as Art said, that money is issues? Well, they're heart issues. How do we communicate and impart all of that to our kids as they're under our roof? Uh, Well, we're going to talk about that today. And Art, I want to begin with the nuts and bolts of this. I know you've recommended the three-jar approach, give, save, spend. Uh, Is that the approach starting at the youngest ages or something else? Yeah, so I, I certainly love those those three jars, and we use those in our house. Uh, we have gone through the the physical jars where they're putting physical cash into the give jar, the save jar, the live jar. Uh, we've also transitioned our two older boys in, onto Greenlight. Uh, now they still have yeah. a give, save, live account. If you're familiar with with Greenlight, uh, but we still uh, are using that pattern, the pattern that we find in Scripture that we are to give generously. That's our priority. Then we are to save wisely, and then we are to live appropriately or spend appropriately. Now, it's important to remember when you're teaching kids, uh, it really anything, that you must keep it simple. And you have to be highly repetitive. Of course, parents mm-hmm. understand that highly repetitive sure. component there. But that's how you teach kids um, any anything, including money. And we start in our household with the the fact that God owns everything. That's one yeah. thing that we repeat over and over and over again. And if they say, you know, this is my toy, occasionally we'll throw in there, hey, this is God's toy. Remember that. Mm, or yeah. if, hey, this is... Um, this is, if I say this is my car, they'll sometimes chime in and say, no, this is God. Uh, this is God's car, dad. And I'll, they'll correct <laughs> yeah. me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. But certainly God, God owns everything. 
and we are the we are the manager we're to take care of what he gives us. And then, yes, we do use those give, save and live, whether it's a jar or a digital account. We, we teach our kids to follow that pattern. And by doing that, by helping them understand that particular pattern, we can be highly, highly repetitive and it sets them up for the future. I mean, the reality is as adults, if we can get that right, we've we've yeah. accomplished something. Well, that's so true. And that's really the foundation. Then you can start building upon that as they get older with some of these more complex ideas. All right, let's get this one out of the way. How do we approach the allowance? What does that look like in the Rainer household? We we definitely have chores. Our, our boys um, participate in the upkeep of our of our home. We think that that is important and they are paid for the chores that they that they do. And yeah. we we do that because we want them one to understand the value of uh, of work. I mean, this is also part of of God's design that work was a pre fall idea. Proverbs twelve twenty seven says, "The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt." We are designed for work. God wants us to work. It is a wise thing to work and to be compensated for our work. And so we want them to understand the value of work and also understand that this is part of God's design for them. They're not just supposed to sit back and receive and receive and receive without putting in any type of effort. So yes, we do have weekly chores and they are paid for those for those chores. Okay, very good. Uh, now, obviously, as they begin to graduate beyond that and they get a little older, we build on this idea of give, save, spend. But you're also trying to communicate some big ideas to them, including this idea that the world, the culture is lying to them about money. Uh, tell us about that and how you go about it. Yeah, so they are going to be bombarded with lies about about money the world is going to constantly teach them its lessons about money which is is why it's so important for us as parents to teach what the bible says about about finances one of the lies is that the money that we have is actually ours i've already mentioned that god owns everything another one is that money leads to happiness your kids if they're on social media or they're watching maybe their friends accumulate things uh, they may get the the sense that hey, if I have more stuff or if I have more money, I'm going to be happier. Which of course we know is not the not the case. Uh, another lies that money leads to a satisfied life, or that money is is always good and that less is is always is always bad. Of course, we know with the the parable of the of the talents that you know, some people have more, some people God gives gives less, and that's okay. What's ultimately required of us is, is stewardship in either scenario. And so we want to correct these lies and help them understand what Scripture says about money and how we are to manage it. Yeah. And when we look at the Council of Scripture, we clearly see jumping off the page that we should be givers, right? We were created in the image of the ultimate giver. So how do you teach the importance of giving back to God and sharing with others in need, Art? Well, and it, it goes back to those jars, the give, save, live jar. That that give jar is the first thing that they do with their finances. They put their money in that in that give jar. So helping them understand that generosity is a priority is essential as a as a, as, a, as a parent. My recommendation to parents is to be generous themselves. You know, lead the way and talk about it. Talk to your kids about your your generosity. Recently, I was um, at a uh, at a stoplight, and there's a homeless man right right next to me. 
I, I did not give him any money, but I gave him what, what I had. I gave him some, some drinks. And, and so just that display of, of generosity, my boys were in the car. And so they saw that, let your yeah. children see you be generous to, to others and talk about it. And then when your child decides to be generous themselves, let them don't ever stop them from being generous, especially at a, at a young age. My, my middle son wanted to give money to a, a lion, uh, preserve um, okay. something through the discovery channel sure. you know, I, I question whether or not he should um whether or not that was the best use of his funds or should he give to the local church but i didn't want to stop him so i i, I did of course now we receive discovery channel solicitations um, all the time and then so when but when they do give so don't stop them but when they they do give celebrate celebrate their generosity so that they can be encouraged to continue to give as god has designed us to do Mm, that's great. All right, just about 30 seconds left. What about allowing our kids to fail, especially as they get a little older and in this area of money specifically? Yeah, so we are we certainly allow our children to to make bad purchase decisions. Yeah. Decisions that they that they re- regret. And we think that that's important for them to feel that that regret, to feel the consequences of making a a poor spending decision because I would rather them feel that now when the stakes are relatively low than when they get into college or get out of college when the stakes are significantly higher. Mm, That's so good. And then finally, we've got to model it, Art. Isn't that critical? Yes, without, without question. If we want our children to be financially healthy and to align them, their, their financial practices with what we find in Scripture, we have to do it first. Mm. We have to model it for them. Yeah, I love it. You can learn much more at ArtRainer.com. He's got some great articles on this topic. Art, thanks for stopping by, my friend. We appreciate your time. Hey, it's always an honor. Thank you. His three-book series for kids, The Secret Slide Money Club, is available with a gift of $25 or more at moneywise.org. That's moneywise.org. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. Stick around. Thanks for joining us today on MoneyWise Live. So glad to have you along with us as we tackle your financial questions through the lens of Scripture. We started today by talking about kids and money. I can't think of a better topic to think about in terms of our legacy. You know, we're raising future adults if we have kids. And as they leave the home, not only do we want them ready in terms of financial literacy, we want them ready to understand their role as a steward of God's resources and what it means to see money as a tool, not an end, and to fight against the world's messages that say your self-worth is equal to your net worth. And allow them to avoid the comparison trap. So many things that our culture can draw us into. We want to try to help keep them out of that. And uh, we would uh, love to come alongside you as you think about that. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We'd love to help you tackle any financial question, not just uh, the questions related to your kids, Uh, whether it's saving or giving, perhaps paying down debt or your lifestyle, your spending plan. 800-525-7000. 7,000 is the number to call. All right, let's begin today in Crown Point, Indiana. Mary, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. 
Hi. Um, I was calling because I was left a little bit of money from my mom when she passed, and I have three grandchildren, and I I would like to open them some kind of a savings, not actually a savings, I'd like to open them an IRA. <laughs> now, yeah. two of them are in college and the other's in high school, and I told them if I open this, it's you're just to put money in and never take it out. Um, but I wanted to know if that's a good way to start them out, or should I do it with some other type of saving plan or or something like that? Yeah, well, I think the key is to define uh, what the purpose of this money is. Let's first tackle whether or not you're even able to put the money into an IRA for kids. Uh, You are to the extent they have earned income. So they would have to have jobs, and you could only put in money up to the limit. So the that's the contribution limit for the year, which happens to be uh, $6,000 for this year. And and then it's only up to uh, the earned income that they have until you reach that $6,000 cap. So are, do they all have jobs? Um, the Well, they're in college, and they have jobs in the college, but I don't know if that's to help pay for their college or if it's their money. Well, sure it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter what they use it for. It's really in terms of the ability to contribute to an IRA in their name. Uh, it's really only up to the amount of earned income that they have that would be subject to taxes. Now, they may not pay any taxes because they may be below the standard deduction. But if they have earned income, uh, you know, they would be able to contribute, or you could on their behalf into an IRA in their name. Uh, but if they don't have jobs, or you know, they're only earning a few hundred dollars, then you could only contribute up to the amount of earned income uh, that they have. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, you, I think we need to back up and decide what's the purpose of this money. Is it specifically for college? Obviously, for the ones that are in college, that's probably already taken care of. Uh, is it for kind of the near term to be able to use to buy a car or put a first, last, and security on an apartment? Uh, or is it, you know, money that you truly want them to sock away for the future as in 40 years down the road for retirement. And I fully believe that this is a great use of the money if that was something you wanted to do for them and they had that earned income allowing them to make that contribution or to you to do it into their custodial IRA. That would be great. There's nothing more uh, powerful than the power of compounding over a long period of time. And this would certainly get them going toward retirement savings. But give me your thoughts on just how you want the money to be used. Um, well, for because I was I was fortunate to to get a job where I was able to you know um, make some money and put some into I got a a pension and and a four hundred one k, but my thought was the with the IRA that it would be their savings for their older age. <laughs> I was yeah. kind of helping them start that because I'm not sure where they're going to end up with jobs if they're going to have that and if. They were, and I told them, if you contribute to that, it'll always be for your money when you need it when you're older. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm encouraging them to start that now while they, when they're 18 and 19. Yes. And start Very. saving in there. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, so I think if, if that's really your heart's desire, and that is to encourage the the long-term systematic savings you know, for retirement, to begin that now, to begin to realize the power of that compounding over a long period of time, that's a great thing to do. And um, it's going to come down to opening an account. So the, basically the way you do that is you have to have an adult custodian account. So there'd be an adult on it. That could be you or their, their parents. Uh, and then they would be, 
uh, the custodian, or or they would be, um, you would be the custodian, but then they would be named on it as well. It becomes their account solely when they reach the age of majority, which is 18 in most states. Um, so there's no minimum age, but there is that requirement that it can only be up to the limit, which is 6000 for this year, and only up to the amount uh, of earned income that they have. So depending on how much they're working, how much they've earned, they may or may not be able to put in or you on their behalf, the full 6000 um, And then you'd have to decide where not every custodian offers uh, custodial IRAs, but in particular, Fidelity and Charles Schwab do. And both of those are known as low-cost uh, providers that would be great options for you. So you would go open those custodial IRAs, and then you could make that contribution up to the earned income that they have for the year, no more than $6,000. Does that make sense? Oh, it does make sense. Thank you so much. I, I just want to make sure it was a, a real sound idea and that I could do that for them. That's what I was going to Absolutely. Say yep. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. I All right. Show. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. God bless you very much. Uh, 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Whatever's on your mind today, uh, financially speaking, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, also coming up today, you know, if you thought about the fact that we were wired for impact, you know, we're hardwired for worship. And, uh, you know, as we think about our purpose, we're wired for impact as well, an impact beyond ourselves. Well, what does that look like in terms of the financial decisions that you're making? Well, I think you can make a difference in your giving and your investing and in your living. We'll talk about that today. Plus, I'll tackle a question that came in by email, uh, specifically related to a spouse that doesn't have any credit because her husband, everything's in his name. She's concerned that she wasn't even able to qualify for a credit card. I'll give you my thoughts on how to overcome that. Plus your questions, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Delighted to have you with us today on Money Wise Live, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We've got a few lines open. The lines are filling up quickly. 800-525-7000. Whatever is on your mind today, we'd love to hear from you, financially speaking, that is. All right, back to the phones we go. Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Carol, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm calling on behalf of my friend. I'm looking for any ideas for her. She, a little over a year ago, she was independent. And then she lost her job due to child custody strange schedule that nobody would hire her with that schedule. Um, for the last year, she's had government, I think government housing assistance, but that's ending. Um, she has to pay full rent this next month. Um, she's got no more unemployment. Um, if she moves, she will probably lose her custody cases, but she doesn't have a job, so she can't get pay for her housing. Um, She's looking for a night job from home that would pay a living. Um, she's tried about every assistance organization she can find, and I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on what she can do. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, so challenging uh, in this situation, and uh, I'm so delighted to hear that you're being a friend to her because I think, you know, obviously somebody in this situation needs somebody walking alongside them. Um, as it's often said, you really want to be able to think about doing for one, which you 
wish you could do for everyone. And um, I think in this case, you know, just being a friend to this person is uh, really helpful and helping them navigate uh, the assistance that may be available. Does she have a local church, uh, Carol, that she's a part of? Uh, yes, she um, sometimes um, they have helped her about it if they can, um, and that sort of dried up. Um, she spends yeah. every day looking for jobs and resources. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think staying connected to her local church, I think one of the keys is that she's demonstrating a desire to be part of the solution here and, uh, you know, making her full-time job find to, trying to find uh, assistance. Um, you know, I think you know, beyond that, I would check into the church, uh, perhaps knowing uh, a listing of the available community resources that are there, because not only can they be an assistance uh, to her directly, and as you said, they already have, and uh, the, perhaps there's a limit to that. Uh, I know that in many cases they can connect her to local counsel and aid that may be available uh, there locally, um, you know, housing allowance and, you know, other types of things that she might be able to take advantage of, um, you know, it's really going to come down to social services, uh, you know, local ministries uh, or outreach organizations that can meet her needs there on the ground, and then you know the local body of Christ. And I think you know, as we ask the Lord to give you some wisdom here and help her navigate this, plus her desire, you know, to get out and work. And the good news is, this is a really uh, attractive job market right now. I mean, the labor market is still very strong. There's a lot of people who are still looking for, uh, you know, folks to provide, uh, you know, uh, to uh, take jobs that they have open. And so it's not like, you know, we're in a in a challenging uh, job market right now. And I realize there's limitations uh, with her kids and so forth uh, as to what she can do, but there should be plenty of options. So I think between all of these and then ultimately our trust in the Lord as her provider, I'm confident uh, something will come her way. Uh, let me just ask the Lord uh, to be in the midst of this, if you don't mind, Carol. Uh, we just lift up Carol's friend to you, Lord. You know the situation. You know every detail as her creator. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, intervene here miraculously, that you'd provide employment, that you'd rally around her people like Carol and others that can meet needs, uh, that you'd give her wisdom and endurance during a challenging season, that this wouldn't cause her to wane in her faith at all, but she would lean into her relationship with you, knowing that she can trust you and your promises are real. Be near to those kids in this difficult time, uh, given uh, what she has in front of her. And uh, Lord, we're just going to tell you today that we trust you and uh, invite you into every facet of this situation, including the finances of Carol's friend. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Carol, thank you for your call today. Please keep us posted uh, on this situation. To Des Moines, Iowa, Anita, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm curious. I have a, a thrift savings account where I put my money in biweekly from my employer, and they match me 3%. Right now, I'm giving 8% of my money, and I'm trying to see if it would be wise to just go with the 3% and have them match that and then put that other 5% in a different savings or retirement account. Sure. What is your age, Anita, if you don't mind me asking? 52. 
52. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely you want to take advantage of the match. Beyond that, I, I like you continuing to contribute to the TSP. The only thing I might offer would be if you want to open a Roth IRA uh, in addition to the TSP, what you could do is do the first 3% to get the full match, then contribute up to the full amount in the uh, Roth IRA, which is going to be after-tax money that will grow tax-free. And you could do that over age 50. It's up to 7000 this year. And then if there's anything left, perhaps you come back to the TSP and you, you know, put in as much as you can. I think the key is that it's either going into a tax deferred environment where you're getting tax uh, deferred growth. So the taxes aren't weighing on the investments. You can maximize the growth over time or in a tax free growth environment like the Roth. Uh, Either one of those are great. And my priority would be match first then Roth, then back to the, uh, you know, additional contributions into the TSP. So that would be the only other thing I might consider other than what you're currently doing. But if, if for simplicity's sake, you'd rather just, you know, pull the, put the full 8% into the TSP, I don't have any problem with that. The only other thing I would just say is make sure that the uh, investments that you're selecting inside the TSP are the best ones uh, for your age and risk tolerance. Um, you know, perhaps if, if you have some insight into that, great. If you don't, uh, maybe ask somebody for some help there just to make sure you're picking the right investments. Not that we know what they're going to do, but that they're the right uh, you know, um, mix of investments for what you're trying to accomplish. Does that all make sense? It does. It does. So someone had told me that I should just take it out and put it in the bank, but I'm not so sure that I trust the banks <laughs> to hold on to my money either. Well, yeah, I certainly wouldn't do that. Um, You know, in terms of taking the money out of the TSP, you're going to create a a taxable event plus the penalty, and then it's not available for it to be growing or compounding for the future. Uh, You know, the other problem is in the bank, it's losing purchasing power every day. I mean, inflation's running north of 8% right now, so you're losing 8% purchasing power every year on that money, and it doesn't even have the ability to grow. And I realize we're in a volatile market right now, but the market works in cycles, and it will recover ahead of this economy. We have some longer-term challenges in this country, but in my view, there's nothing on the horizon that would cause us not to continue to be the most dominant economic force in the world in terms of the size of our economy. We will get through, even if we slip into a recession, I think it'll be minor. The The market will recover ahead of it, and we'll move to higher ground. So the very best way, in my view, for you to build wealth, Anita, over the next you know 15 years, let's say, until you retire, and and then if you're in good health and the Lord tarries, you need that money to last several decades beyond retirement age. The very best way to maximize that is a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio where taxes are not putting a drag on the investments. And that's exactly where you're at right now in the TSP. So I would say continue to be faithful and systematic in your contributions of that 8% a year, and it'll pay off over the long haul. Hey, we appreciate your call today. 800-525-7000. Uh, standing by today, Gabby T. managing our phone. She'd love to talk to you, and we'll try to get you on the air quickly. A lot more to come on MoneyWise. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Great to have you with us today on MoneyWise Live. 
We're thrilled you're here today. This is where we apply God's wisdom to your financial decisions and choices. I'm Rob West, your host. We've got lines open, perhaps room for maybe one more question, 800-525-7000. Let's quickly go to Tampa, Florida. Fred, thanks for calling, sir. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to catch 22. I'm stuck in a timeshare that I can't get out. I'm paying the uh, principal and mortgage, but cannot do the maintenance, which means that I will never be able to use it unless I'm able to catch up with maintenance. Any suggestions? Well, first suggestion is, Fred, to let this be encouragement for everybody else listening to be very careful before getting into a timeshare. I can't tell you how many calls I've gotten exactly like this one, and I don't mean to make light of it because I know it's frustrating and uh, it's a difficult situation. There aren't great options here. Um, you know, One is there's a, a forum online uh, called Tug2. It's the Timeshare Users Group, but you'll find it on the web at TUG and the number 2. Uh, That is a place you could list this for sale. Uh, The challenge is there's more people that want to get rid of these than buy them. Um, So it's not always easy to get rid of them, but you could check that. Second, you could check your contract. I'm sure you've already done this, but uh, you you could see what options you have there. You could see if the company will buy it back. They likely won't. They want to be in the business of selling new timeshares to other folks. They don't want to buy them back. But uh, you could also see if they'd take it back for free. Um, you could try to sell it, uh, you know, in the newspaper or, you know, online. But I think the Tug2 website would be your best bet there. Um, you could try to find one of these exit companies. Um, I, I've never had great success with the exit companies, but um, I know there's several of them that um, are promoted on various in various places. So you could do some due diligence there. I wouldn't want to make a recommendation to one because, again, I've never found them to be you know terribly successful. And then the other option would be: Can you give it away to somebody who'd be willing to just take it off your hands? If they'll use it and take the, uh, you know, start paying the maintenance, obviously, then they could get something that could be really a win-win for both of you. But unfortunately, there's not a silver bullet here, Fred. You're going to need to do your homework. But I'd start with Tug2, uh, see if um, if you can give it back to the company, and then see if you can give it away to somebody who might uh, be willing to take on the maintenance. Uh, wish you all the best in this, Fred, uh, and let us know how it turns out. Uh, to Tennessee, Matt, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hey, uh, I've got a question about, uh, we had a business meeting on Sunday, and our church has somewhere around about $30,000 or so just in a general fund, and they were asking about investing some of that, and I was wondering, you had any ideas on that one? Well, is it illegal? Yes. Uh, is it advisable? No. Uh, in my view, I wouldn't want to see a church invest um, its capital. Um, you know, what I would say is, and I've served on finance committees um, uh, on the church, at the church over the years, and, you know, we always had a policy that basically established the target for our reserves. And I think somewhere between six and, you know, three to 12 months worth of reserves is prudent. And 
and that's beyond what the mortgage may require as reserves, um, just for operating reserves. But I think anything beyond 12 months is excessive. And I think the key is that, you know, God's people are giving uh, to the church to fund the work of the church, which is to reach the lost and build up the body. And, you know, the extent to which we're taking risk with those funds uh, and not deploying it into ministry is just something that I really don't get excited about at all. Um, so, you know, obviously putting the reserves to work in a way that protects the capital and earns a, a decent interest rate on it, as long as it's fully, you know, secure, I think is an option. But anything beyond that with marketable securities, no, not in my view. And, and I would say if you receive gifts of stock or real estate, I would uh, immediately initiate a sale at that time. Uh, that's just my view. It doesn't mean it's it's right or wrong. I just, you know, I wouldn't be able to get comfortable uh, as a lay leader in a church that we're taking the gifts that were given to the church for the purposes of ministry and putting them to work in the stock market. Is that helpful? All right, I think we lost him. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, if he has any uh, follow-up thoughts, I'd encourage him to give us a call back. Kelly in Florida, go right ahead. You're on MoneyWise Live. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. So sure. I'm a, a, a young young man of 52 years old, have not put a whole bunch of money away for my retirement, um, but I have some cash for about $100,000 that I'm about to come into. So I wanted to find out about uh, either getting involved in some type of compound interest or what other suggestion would you have uh, as far as investing for my retirement? Yeah. Do you have a company-sponsored plan at work, Kelly? Uh, well, I work for myself. I own my own business. Okay. All right. Great. And do you have a retirement account that you've opened that you just haven't put a whole lot in or you don't even have an account created? I have a created account. I've been putting some money away, but not a, not a whole lot. What uh, type you know, of bank, account is bank, it? Bank, it's just a, just a regular bank account, you know. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I would do is I would open a SEP IRA uh, to start with. Uh, this is a very effective tool um, for self-employed individuals. That stands for Simplified Employee Pension Plan. And, um, you know, it's a great way to get uh, a, a significant amount of money uh, into a plan on a tax-deferred basis. You can put in up to $61,000, and there's some limitations on that in terms of, you know, there's a personal limit, and then there's the, the employee contribution, then there's their, what's considered the employer contribution even though you know, they're both your money. Um, and, you know, it's a great way to get a good bit of money, you know, going in on a tax-deferred basis. So for you, in terms of thinking about that 100000 if you don't have an emergency fund of three to six months expenses, and I'd probably err more the, toward the six months as a self-employed person, um, then I would say take that, that portion of, of what is equivalent to six months' worth of your household expenses, and I'd put that into a high-yield savings account on line with like Marcus or Ally Bank, one of those earning one and a half percent a year, but with total safety, and then link it to your checking account. And that's for emergencies. And then whatever's left, I'd say, let's try to get as much of that going in on a tax deferred basis as possible. And that's where the SEP 
IRA uh, will come in in terms of you being able to to make some contributions uh, to get that money uh, going in, and then you invest that uh, you know for your future, and then keep up those contributions you know by limiting your lifestyle, and as you have profitable years where you have some excess, uh, you know you can sock some more away, um, and you can open that at Schwab or Fidelity, any number of institutions will allow you to do that, but. Um, uh, this would be a great tool for you to be able to get some money going, okay? All right, that's excellent. By the way, just a little resource for the young lady who called Carol. Uh, If she checks with her local career source, that's part of my ministry that I do. I put on a lot of career fairs here in Broward County. So if she checks with her local uh, career source, there's a lot of resources to help her with employment. Hmm. Yeah, great. Well, I appreciate that. That's great counsel. I hope she's still listening. Thanks for calling, Kelly. Uh, to Illinois, Susan, you're next on the program. Go ahead. Yes, I'm 65 this year. Um, read Larry Burkett when I was 20. I've stayed out nice. of debt. Um, so I raised five children after 20 years marriage, divorced 20 years, Um took care of them. I have an emergency fund established. I rent, but my rent went up $320. My oldest child um, who lives out of state, him and his wife want to buy a property here to um, stabilize my rent as I'm going into retirement. I am planning on continuing to work. Um, I told, I told them, I think, you know, they, they make good money, but I don't think they have, they have four children with, they don't have a college fund established for their children and their home is not paid for. They're not completely out of debt. So I feel like they need to establish their own, um, those things before they try to help me. Yeah. Yeah, and so you're just wondering how to navigate that with them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is tough because obviously, I mean, I think if it were me, uh, Susan, what I would do would be just to approach them with that same heart, you know, sentiment that you just expressed to me and just say, listen, I love that you guys want to help me. And here's my thought. You know, I I think I want you all to make sure that you're doing what you need to do for your own financial future first. And I love you and I appreciate your desire to help. But that's, you know, what my concern is. And at the end of the day, Susan, if they just decide, listen, the Lord has impressed upon us uh, to give to you and to help in this way, um, I think that's great. And I would allow them to do that. I mean, uh, obviously, it's something that they have a, a burden for. Uh, I think as long as you've made your desire known, then given them permission to say as much as I can use your help, I really want you guys to focus on yourselves. Um, I think you'll come to the right conclusion uh, where either you say, you know what, I'm just going to be willing to receive this and be grateful for it and know that that's going to bless them in doing that. Or they might say, you know what, we really appreciate that. And we'll take that counsel and, and, um, and go, you know, put that money to work and, you know, that'll make you feel good as well. But I think the key is just open and honest communication here and an understanding that, you know, at the end 
end of the day, this may be something that really just gives them a lot of joy to be able to do. So let us know how that turns out, Susan. Be prayed up. Ask the Lord to intervene as you have that conversation. And um, I would uh, love to hear how it turns out. God bless you very much. Well, folks, we've covered a lot of ground today, a lot of great questions uh, running the gamut of financial decisions and choices. It's such a privilege to be able to come alongside you each day as we talk about how we can each be found faithful in serving the Lord and being a good steward of His resources. MoneyWise Live is a partnership between Moody Radio and MoneyWise Media. We are listener supported. If you'd like to support us, you can do that at moneywise.org. Thank you to Gabby T., Dan Anderson, Amy Rios, and Robert Sutherland. I hope you'll come back and join us tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.